0: it's a bit of a challenge to accept that the organization wants you to use these tools you might have your own favorites from from previous years it could be Skype or whatever and suddenly we don't use it as the standard tool and suddenly you're forced to diving into another platform another tool another r- routine uh, etc and um, and that requires some sort of flexibility um, among staff members Another thing I, I think can be helpful in, in the transition to teleworking is to talk about it be- between colleagues, to talk about how are we doing with teleworking. I feel lonely. I feel insecure. I have a hard time disciplining myself. It could be anything, but talk about it. And I have noticed in the last three weeks among uh, my colleagues that there is a more familiar or trusting tone when we do meet in these virtual uh, rooms so that's that's quite nice unmute <laughs>
1: We're listening to the podcast Advancing Sustainable Solutions, where we make sustainability research meaningful for the everyday person. This podcast is produced by the IEEE at Lund University. This episode is hosted by Stephen Curtis and Sophie Sundin. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Advancing Sustainable Solutions. Now, in today's episode, we want to discuss tips and tools for teleworking. Building on decades of research and experience in teleworking and virtual meetings for sustainability here at our institute, we thought that we could share with you some of our insights that may support you now in this time finding yourself working from home. But first, Sophie and I want to start by sending our thoughts and solidarity to everybody affected around the world by the coronavirus. Now, this impacts all of us in some ways, and some more than others. We hope that you, your family, and your friends are safe and healthy. And we know that we'll overcome this together. But if you, like us, find yourself working from home... Having to establish new routines, both in your professional life and your personal life, then maybe this episode will be meaningful for you. Something that we're having to learn here on the podcast as well. Sophie, you're joining us via yeah. phone. Thanks so much.
2: I thank you. Thank you for uh, making this happen, Stephen. Yes, I am calling in from my home office, so it's uh, certainly uh, challenging in a new way to make an episode and record an episode like this when we're used to being in the same room.
1: Yeah, I don't look at you in the eye and have a conversation with you as easily as, uh, as we normally do, but we're going to make this work because uh, we're all yes. about adapting to the challenges Definitely. that are before us.
2: So we we admit we should also just say the background for us working from home right now is that since uh, March 18th, on the recommendation of the Swedish government, Lund University closed for all activities. So this meant that students suddenly found themselves attending classes online. And it also meant, of course, that researchers and staff needed to master teaching and conducting research online. So basically overnight, the university transitioned to working from a distance, something that I guess normally would take months of planning, training, and support. But I also want to say that, surprisingly, I'm feeling okay about the sudden change. Uh, like I said, I just set up a temporary office space here in my home, and since my tasks anyway right now are quite oriented around computer work, I have managed to continue to work more or less as I usually would do, but what I really do is, is the small everyday interactions I would have with uh, colleagues and friends at the Dean Institute, so this is actually a big, big difference.
1: Yeah, I I certainly I hear you and understand. Uh, you know, I think that this is one thing that I I miss um about coming to work every day is having the interactions with you Sophie and our PhD colleagues and and otherwise. Yeah. I have to say I think with the support of colleagues like you and and my friends and family I have managed to create somewhat of a normal routine for myself. It took some time certainly about having, you know, to learn how to uh, work from home and and fight the temptations that are maybe at home that are not at your office place. Sophie, what kinds of routines have you established
2: for yourself? Um, I, we will come to it a bit later in the episode, but I think in general, what I really, really try to do is just keep the same schedule as I would do if I would be coming into the office. I think for me that is key to get up in the morning, to get dressed, and uh, sit on my new temporary desk. Yeah,
1: I think that's a uh a good reflection then. And, you know, I mean, there are many people around the world, right, who are finding themselves having to transition from working in an office to working from home. But this isn't necessarily the case for everyone. You know, many find themselves on the front line dealing with the coronavirus, working in our hospitals or emergency services. And and to you, we want to say that we're so grateful. Uh, we support you and encourage you and recognize your sacrifice. Uh, and, and thank you so much for for the work that you're doing. And and we have to say that there are so many others as well that find themselves in yeah. essential services, right? So from our food producers, distributors, our grocery stores and restaurants, as well as garbage collection, water and electricity providers, our public transportation operators, and so many other people yeah. who are finding themselves really supporting our society and functioning to the best that it can in these times. To, to you, we are so thankful. Yeah, we
2: should also say that we also had to adapt for the podcast. Uh, this month, we had actually planned to produce an episode about how cities support the sharing economy, but we were thinking that cities, as well as you, now have other things on your mind. So, uh, in the light of current circumstances, we thought it best to discuss with you content that was meaningful now, as well as in line with the mission of the podcast. So, in today's episode, we're going to share with you tips and tools for working from home.
1: And I'm sure that you're having to learn this as well along with us. So if this sounds like you, if you're thinking about how to transition from our morning routines to our work routines, how to communicate with colleagues, how to conduct interviews, how to work online while trying to entertain or homeschool a child, how to have some semblance of a a normal life without leaving the apartment, if you're looking for any type of support or suggestions on how to do any of this, uh, please continue listening to today's episode.
2: And of course, in today's episode, we are going to share with you research and experience from our institute uh, on teleworking. So, what we usually do is that we showcase ongoing research here at the institute that is relatable and tangible. And today, it's telecommuting or teleworking. Uh, we will also be joined by two of our colleagues working in this area.
1: Now, teleworking, or telecommuting, as it's often called, is not really that new of a concept. It's existed since the 1970s to describe the practices of using technology to work remotely instead of working or commuting to and from a central office. Now, of course, teleworking has evolved as technology has evolved, becoming much more convenient and a little bit more complex. Now, this really started to take off in the 1990s, right? Teleworking became more mainstream as the internet was introduced into people's homes and businesses.
2: Hey then, can you believe it's only since the 90s we've had the internet? I mean, the world has just changed so much.
1: Uh, it's true. You know, I still think of uh, ourselves as quite young. I'm celebrating a 30th birthday here quite soon. Um, yes, but <laughs> I'm a 90s baby. And uh, uh, and yeah, you're right. I mean, just in our short lifetimes, the world yeah. has transformed so much. And and I imagine that that uh, resonates with many of you. Um, you know, maybe we never thought that we would have the type of com- technology we have now, uh, let alone having to leverage it or utilize it um, due to a global pandemic.
2: Yeah. So since the 1990s, we've, uh, we've seen more and more people moving towards working remotely. Uh, I'm going to give you some stats. According to uh, data from Lab 2018 State of Remote Work Report, 52% of employees globally work from home at least once a week. And again, according to the same report, 16% of global companies only hire remote workers compared to 44% of companies who do not hire any remote workers. So of course, one's ability to telework is completely dependent on their job and industry. So for those of us lucky enough to work from home right now, we must also acknowledge those that cannot or have lost their jobs during this time. Our thoughts are with you.
1: Yeah, you know, Sophie, in the course of my research, I've actually explored the emergence of what are called co-working spaces. Coworking spaces support this trend of teleworking as people are working remotely or, or don't have a central office to go to. So these shared spaces and services associated with coworking are seen as part of the sharing economy, which is where I focus my research for sustainability. Maybe you're familiar with some of these co-working spaces. Uh, WeWork has been in the news a lot recently. Uh, Their main competitors, Notal and Impact Hub, also are famous in, in this co-working space. And we've learned a lot about studying co-working spaces and the sustainability potential of co-working and telecommuting. But my colleagues and I, we've learned a lot about the practicalities of remote work as well. So later on in the episode, we want to share with you some specific suggestions for how to use technology and structuring your day to support your efforts working from home.
2: Yes, we will come to that. But first, we are just going to turn to the Sustainability cube of the Month. And we want to discuss the sudden global development in teleworking in the wake of the COVID-19 outbreak. We have probably all noticed the news keeping a close eye on the virus development all around the world, but it's not only about the dire situation faced by individuals, organizations, and governments, it is also about ways to cope with it and address the numerous challenges we are facing.
1: Yeah, and I think one key way to protect ourselves and each other is to stay at home as much as possible, but to make sure that you keep contact with your friends and family, our loved ones, and our workplaces digitally. It isn't so much to say social distancing as physical distancing. And with more and more people working from home, there's been a huge surge in the need for people to move their daily work activities to an online venue. Of course, this only applies to those that have work tasks that allow them to do so. You can imagine all of the companies and organizations and people all around the world who've had to quickly transition from working at a distance. This means finding a suitable place at home to work In a matter of days, we've transformed our homes into offices, exchanged physical meeting rooms to virtual spaces, and office coffee breaks to virtual chats over the phone.
2: Yeah, and something that really stuck with me when I watched the news this week was a news item about the European Union switching to online meetings. In this news item, they shared an image of all the split screen of leaders around Europe coming together online when the possibilities for traveling, even within the Union, have become limited. Also, the European Parliament has agreed upon temporary measures to allow members to make votes, etc., remotely. And they actually call this an extraordinary remote participation procedure. So you can really tell that the situation is extraordinary in many ways.
1: And maybe it's a little too early yet to say how many people are now finding themselves having to transition from working at an office to working online. But what we do see in the media is that millions and millions of people around the world are now rising to the challenge of teleworking. Some early numbers I stumbled upon just to give you an idea of the magnitude and scope of how our workplaces are transforming is, a, is an app for video conferencing, has become this week's most downloaded app. Uh, another example is a VPN provider in the UK, which has seen a 48% increase over the past two weeks in the use of business VPNs. Uh, a VPN, just for those that are listening, is a is a virtual private network, which are used for online access to corporate network. Yeah,
2: exactly. The impact of teleworking as a response to the coronavirus crisis, is sure to something we will hear and read more about in the coming days, months, and maybe years.
1: So with that, we conclude our sustainability scoop. It's clear that people from around the world are having to adapt to these unprecedented times. And I think it's important for us to now dive deeper into tips and tools specifically to support you in transitioning towards teleworking uh, from home or at a distance. I am here in studio at the IIIIEE and of course following the government's recommendations for social distancing uh, and in keeping with today's theme of the episode, I'm actually joined online by colleagues here at the IIIIEE, Peter Arnfalk and Charlotte Lear. Peter has 10 years of experience in establishing virtual communication tools and strategies, both at the IIIIEE as well as consulting with Swedish state agencies and and companies. And Lata, she's she's our go-to problem solver working with internal and external communication during these times. And she also has previous work with digital learning platforms. So I have to say thanks so much for joining us on today's episode.
3: Thank you. Thanks. I'm
4: really happy we could have you all coming in here in this virtual meeting. So let's start with just outlining your work in this area thus far. Uh, What would you say is your experience with teleworking and uh, with virtual meetings?
3: Well, I'm a Teleworker myself, and I've been working for several years from uh, from at home and from other places than the, the main office. But I actually did start research already in the 90s when it was a boom on um, telework, and wrote uh, some dissertation on uh, on that, and has been following it, the development of that in Sweden and international uh, ever since. But Research and work-wise, I've been working more with virtual meetings and meeting people online via video conferencing or web meetings or or, uh, audio conferencing. And that has been my main focus, both working as a researcher, but also working as a governmental advisor and consultant in the area.
4: Yeah, that's great. And Lotta, what is your experience in teleworking?
0: Well, I started with web development back in the early 90s, and I have had an interest in IT tools in general ever since. Now, working at the university with education, I've been able to uh, use my experience, and I'm working a lot with courses online. Uh, As for the teleworking part, I have experience since maybe 15 years when I was working as a consultant for a while, uh, and I found myself really... Uh, thriving with the IT tools that I had at hand working from home.
1: Yeah, so we've certainly assembled some experts here to discuss about teleworking with you all. So, I mean, as you know, we're a sustainability department and I suppose that sustainability, of course, has motivated your research and work in this area. How do you see teleworking as a means to advance sustainable solutions?
3: Well, telework is a, is a possibility to affect our uh, personal travel patterns. We saw the potential because travel and transport is uh, one of the, the main impacts of an organization. It's one of the, the greatest climate emission sources and also one of the major environmental concerns. So we were looking at this as one of the tools on how to reduce that impact and at the same time to, uh, to be able to work in, uh, in a productive and an efficient uh, matter. And one of the, uh, the main travel activities that, that we do is uh, commuting, going back and forth to work. And uh, that has been one of the drivers, or perhaps the main driver behind telework, is actually to cut, cut the commute. And that has been researched for for many years to see what uh, outcome and what impact that it actually would have on passenger travel. And we see it in Sweden, about one fifth of our passenger travel would be work related, going back and forth to work. But there's no direct parallel link in between just that you would telework and you would cut uh, 20% of your travel. Because there are so many different factors that influence our travel patterns. So we see you actually have to do other things, other errands, run other errands, pick up kids. You have to go shopping and so on, which sometimes you combine with your commute. So that takes away some of the effect. But we also see that it differs very much in between different situations from the uh, who's actually teleworking and uh, what job that you have and how well suited that job is for doing telework. And if we see to actually set out the right conditions for, for telework, it can actually do a substantial effect on our uh, personal travel.
1: A lot I'm curious about from your experience, how has universities leverage technology to support more sustainable solutions in this way?
0: Well, we are an international institute and we deal with sustainability topics and developments. And we have really embraced uh, the possibility to travel far without traveling and to bring together students, uh, opponents, uh, researchers, experts without traveling we have seen in recent years that it's becoming more concrete enabling this dissemination of research results in education to a whole different extent than before we can mention the the massive open online courses where we really uh, make use of our colleagues valuable uh, research results but also in our classrooms uh, we do that we record Uh, lectures, we have different case studies, we get in touch with companies, we defend our thesis, we do many things where we integrate a sort of a virtual (laughs) dimension to it. And and, uh, I think that we agree that the virtual element is a really good addition to our research and education
1: we, I mean, we've certainly learned a lot through both research and education and leveraging um, these technologies that more and more people are needing to transition to virtual meetings um, and teleworking. And there's a lot to unpack when we're talking about teleworking and virtual meetings from the experience that you share with us. So we thought to structure today's discussions, maybe we would discuss things from three perspectives, right? Talking about teleworking from the perspective of society, organizations and individuals.
4: Yeah, so Peter, if we start from the large scale societal perspective, how well would you say that we as a society are prepared to quickly adapt to online tools to work from home?
3: I would say that in Sweden, we are very lucky to have had long term development, both when it comes to technology wise, that we have a lot of broadband we have a lot of so called black fibers non lit up fibers being laid down for decades now in uh, in sweden and we also have a quite high digital maturity so to say we uh, we are pretty used to working uh, with these tools computerized uh, working at a distance and uh, working more and more and more in virtual teams so in that sense, now when we are in a very short time increasing our, our teleworking habits and so on, it does not come fully as a shock for most people. However, this type of work, to be able to, to work fully functional, it, uh, it takes two to tango. Not only the teleworker, it's, <laughs> you also need the, the employer, you also need the t- team to work. Uh, so um, there is a limitation uh, to, to what we have. And, and those habits, I think, uh, are not fully extended yet.
1: Now, if we kind of transition towards the perspective of organizations, I'm curious, Peter, drawing on your experience, what advice do you have for organizations in this time right now to support their employees in teleworking?
3: Yeah, well, it's important to look over the policies and the regulations that surrounds uh, telework, these policies and guidelines are not uh, often known by the employees, but they're interpreted by their managers, their nearest managers. And uh, it's often up to their nearest manager to, to support or to allow the employees to telework and those guidelines are often a bit vague and they differ in the organization which makes it kind of uneven and kind of heterogeneous the kind of telework in an organization so uh, i think make clear what's allowed or what's not allowed and what is supported and not supported And then generally uh, in times like these, it's good that you would openly go out and communicate whether you support or it's allowed to to do this kind of work. Now it's been enforced, but uh, after we have overcome these special times, I think it's good that you actually overlook those rules and guidelines and make clear for the employees what applies to them after that. And then I think, you need to support the, the, the teleworkers. You need to see to that they actually have the connection, they have the software, they have the hardware, so they can actually do their work from a distance.
1: But your and, advice, Peter, for organizations is really to take the responsibility themselves, that it shouldn't necessarily be left up to the employee, but the organization has the responsibility to support their employees to be able to exercise or to leverage teleworking to the best of their ability.
3: Yeah, exactly, Stephen. And also not only, uh, not only the, the, the tech around it, but also the support, that yeah. they actually yeah. can get support uh, uh, also at a distance. Uh, so that's quite important. Another thing is, is to establish good routines for communications and, and for meetings so that when you actually meet, so that you, you have less dependency on the adhocracy surrounding uh, the meeting culture at a workplace, but you actually know when and how to meet when you meet at a distance. And that's a necessity if you should be able to make the virtual teams work uh, in, in a good way.
4: Okay, Peter, so that's a good suggestion. So companies not only need to provide the technology uh, to their employees to go about teleworking, but they also need to provide support in how to use it. Uh, We know that you have been uh, working some with uh, Swedish public agencies uh, and helping them in establishing teleworking infrastructures. Can you perhaps share some good examples from this work?
3: One of the things that is um, much needed is uh, how we collaborate in teams uh, online and uh, how we plan these kind of, of collaborations so uh, and usually support is given in the way that uh, you sit there. It's about one minute to, to for the meeting to start, and then you notice, well, I don't have the <laughs> I don't have the headset that I'm supposed. I don't know where the link is. Uh, who is actually calling for the meeting? Uh, how should I actually run this and do this? So it's kind of a firefighter uh, call for. Um, coming out and saving the situation, either five minutes before or five minutes into the meeting. Well, what is important is that you get a routine so that uh, you support the employees before that actually happens. So in in a preventative way through information and through education, through training, especially when it comes to the situation where you're supposed to meet people and meet people online. And that's an important thing we We sit about one third to about half of our time in, in meetings, and these meetings tend to become more and more virtual or with digital tools and still, we have very little or no training in uh, in how to use these. so that is a measure that we we need to get in routines for actually training and and seeing to that when you're in that situation you feel comfortable about using these tools uh, so that you can focus on the content in the meeting and not about the tool itself.
1: Yeah. So if the organization then is supposed to provide the support to help individuals such as you and I really feel comfortable about how to use these these technologies and tools, maybe we should then talk a little bit about the individual. Lotta, I'm curious, based on your experience, what what advice would you give to individuals or, or people feeling um uncomfortable with these new virtual practices?
0: Well, for the uncomfortable part, it's only a matter of trying and using until it becomes uh, your norm, a part of you. Of course that's easier said than done. What we did was what Peter was referring to earlier, we somehow gave the message to the whole organization that this is Uh, what's going to happen. And these are the resources. This is the platform. These are the tools. And here is a person to help you in case you need. And that was myself. And I think in the end, it was more the feeling of that there is someone to to reach out to more than actual interactions with me. I, I, I mean, my colleagues experimented on their own, which I think is the most important part.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. I also find that people's relationship with uh, the digital tool has definitely become better. And Lotta, I know you are uh, one of the people to thank for this. You have really been here uh, at the front line uh, for us at the AAAA, supporting us all to meet this new situation and work remotely. What is the experience in teleworking at the We that you can share with our listeners?
0: Well, if we talk about the challenges in getting into the teleworking mode, initially it was about the different tools, computer related stuff, gadgets, getting everything in order, you know, setting up the whole equipment, but that was quickly fixed somehow. And then after that, um, The next step was to kind of get to know the tools better and to kind of see what functionalities uh, the tools offer. I think that's the next step really that we at the IIE need to deal with. Um, I'm talking about researchers who collaborate online as well as my teaching colleagues and professors who need to record and embed and provide lectures. I see that they're doing it. And I also see that they do it in many different ways. So that's actually the next step for us to kind of structure it a bit and see do we need to have a common approach, most likely, and to what extent? And what can we learn from each other? Because everybody is right now learning so much.
3: Yeah, from what I've seen um, is that we actually dare to do mistakes now. We actually there to try out things and to fall flat on our faces yeah it's a it's a big experiment it's one, the the world's largest it experiment <laughs> that we're that we're going through right now yep. here and because we're forced uh, to do it we actually we are excused for trying out so in a situation where it previously was impossible it is impossible to meet in this way we have to meet Uh, In person and in a co-location meeting. Now we have to do it virtually, and we find out that yeah, it works. It works differently. Uh, There are different possibilities and different uh, uh, limitations, but it actually do work. So there is a much of a feeling of revelation uh, in these times. Yeah, Uh, Peter, do
1: you have any do you have any tips or tools for the individual to think about how to use teleworking? more effectively
3: one thing that is important is that you you're not only looking at um, teleworking actually I'm looking at tele as well so because <laughs> we, we're human beings we're not uh, we're not only working we're actually chatting with each other and and having a coffee and, and enjoying and I think it's important to to think of that whole situation also as a in a context that you you need to do uh, the the Swedish fika as well, like so. And, and if you if you cannot meet physically and, and eat together, you know, have have a virtual fika in that we, we, we tried that out at the Triple I, believe. So we we actually ate and, and stuffed our faces with, with food and drank coffee together, uh, virtually. It was and, really and, cool.
1: 30, <laughs> 33 of us in a Zoom room.
3: <laughs> yeah, a lot of fika being munched down there simultaneously. Yeah. I've, I've been in a couple of after works now where, where we actually had drank some, some nice drinks uh, together, <laughs> beer and wine or whatever in, in after work situation. Uh, and so people need that kind of, of interaction as well.
4: Yeah, I just want to add also on this tele-leisure. I thought that was a great word, Peter. We need to remember that in the court or, you know, just in relation to teleworking, there's tele-leisure. And I got to say, I enjoyed so much having you guys online today and you seeing your faces here on my screen. I appreciate your time and uh, your effort so much in helping us making this episode. So thank you.
3: Well, thank you very much. It was nice being here.
0: Yeah, thank you, too. Made my day.
4: Good to so see you on a virtual fika uh, soon, yep. I hope.
2: Good.
1: We want to thank Peter and Lotte for joining us on today's episode. In trying to make this episode timely and relevant, we moved up our production schedule and they were very supportive and accommodating. So thank you, thank you
2: so much. And this episode is a bit special, not only because we launched it earlier than usual, but also because we wanted to stop and reflect on what is needed right now in our society. So with this episode, we wanted to share with you the experience we have at our institute, studying teleworking and virtual meetings some might
1: support those of you working from home. Uh, so, Sophie and I have assembled some of the knowledge and experience from our colleagues here at the IIIE. Uh And we've really tried to make it as meaningful and as relevant for you. So, I guess we'll go ahead and get started, right, Sophie? Yeah. So, first, uh, we suggest that you choose equipment and software that suits you and your needs. Uh, this means investing in a good webcam and headphones with a microphone, but doing so only if you need it. When it comes to software, there are a multitude of online applications available out there. Uh, We suggest using the software that the most number of people are using at your workplace. So, for example, here at Lund University, we have Zoom and Microsoft Teams, which we use for virtual collaborations. And personally, from our experience, we find that Zoom works better as a standalone platform. The interface is easy to use and seems more stable overall. However, We have to say that Microsoft Teams offers many more deeper integrations, like connecting to your contact lists as well as your calendar, especially if you're using Microsoft 365 already at your workplace. Another feature I like with Microsoft Teams is the option to write meeting notes and share agendas right in the meeting. And then at the end, these notes are attached with the calendar invite and saved within the team uh, for reference
2: later. And as you may suspect, there are other platforms as well for virtual meetings. There is, the, for example, Google Hangouts, Adobe Connect, Skype, among so many others. So whatever platform you are using, we recommend that you learn to take full advantage of all the features of the platform. For example, in large meetings, we use the breakout rooms on the platform Zoom to facilitate conversation among a smaller number of people sharing and the chat function are also other underutilized features so give them some attention but it is important to consider which features you need to use based on the purpose of your meeting
1: we also recommend that at least one person be responsible for facilitating the meeting this person should be assigned the role as host uh, if applicable in the online meeting platform and in doing so this then gives the host access to all of the platform's features that means that the host should log in with plenty of time to set up the virtual meeting and to test the equipment before the rest of the participants attend.
2: But however, it is not the responsibility of the host to ensure that participants have working equipment. So all participants should arrive early to test their equipment and ensure that they are not responsible for, de- for delaying the meeting. I have to say from own experience, it really reduces stress if you know you have 10 minutes rather than 10 seconds to figure out why your headset isn't working.
1: i think we've all been there right Uh, another place where we have always been is uh, where that one person is maybe having background noise which can detract or distract from the content of the meeting so we recommend that it's uh, proper to mute your microphone if you're not speaking that way others will not be bothered by any background noise coming from your own environment Uh, the host of the meeting has the opportunity to mute participants We suggest that it's not impolite to mute someone or to ask them to mute themselves.
2: And another important thing is to turn on your webcam and smile at your colleagues and your friends. Because it really makes an enormous difference for the dynamics if people can see each other in the meeting. There are a lot of things said with non-verbal communication. So, you know, if you're able to share that with a smile or a thumbs up, it really adds
1: uh we have some other very specific advice when leading or participating in virtual meetings so it's best to have a light source in front of you not behind you this then makes it easier for people to be able to see these nonverbal communications um if possible uh, we suggest that it's important to connect via ethernet to the internet if this isn't the case try to ensure that you have some type of stable internet connection and if all else fails you can try calling into the meeting Many platforms allow participants to call into meetings using their mobile phones.
2: We should also say something about other project collaboration apps or software. There are so many different platforms, from Microsoft Teams, which we just mentioned, to Slack. Uh, There's also Asana, Wright, Trello, MeisterTask, and so on. If you're not already using a project collaboration app to facilitate communication, to assign a follow-up on tasks, or to enhance working collaboratively online, we certainly recommend exploring the options.
1: Yeah, however, I think again, we should also caution that these tools are best used when supported by management and used by everyone in the organization. It should be clear when to use one of these tools to communicate versus email or chat, And there should be appropriate support and training to transition to a new tool. If this is not the case, now might not be the best time to adopt a new tool for people to learn, especially with so many other things on people's plates.
2: Teleworking and using new equipment and technology can be scary. We acknowledge this, so be kind to yourself and to your colleagues who maybe are not so used to working remotely and using technology. We also suggest that one person in the organization is responsible for answering any questions or troubleshooting like we have lots of our go-to person. it's appreciated by so many to have a safe person to go to to get help when they need it and that person if you're receiving the same question from many people the organization can then use this as an indication that more guidance or support is needed on certain issues
1: so that is a little bit about how to use equipment and software for teleworking But we thought that we should also say something about how to structure our working times when working from home. You know, some people have more experience or even success working from home. And and of course, there are other things that are vying for our attention, like children or partners. And it's important that we take the time to also spend with them as necessary. Uh, I have to say, for me, I'm not very good at teleworking or working from home. No, not at all. I don't like it. I don't like working in the same space as I'm living. And, you know, at least in our apartment, without a dedicated office, I have found it helpful for me to set aside one spot in the apartment where I go to work. That means that that is the only place that I work, and I don't then sit there um, at any other time outside of my working hours. And, and for me, separating these two physical spaces in my, in my home has been helpful. Another suggestion that was made by one of our colleagues was to commute to and from work. Of course, my work is my home, so by going for a walk and commuting to work, I'm, I'm just going for a walk and returning home. But for some reason, that, uh, that space that I use to take a walk before I start my day and at the end of the day is also meaningful for me to help separate work from home.
2: Yeah, that's a good idea, too. Uh, I think it is important to set routines, uh, to start the day at the same time as you normally would do if you're going to the office, and also to take a proper lunch break. Uh, I have personally been trying to take the opportunity to leave the house for a short walk over lunch just to energize myself for the afternoon and to avoid spending the entire working day without leaving the house and getting some fresh air. So maybe I should also start just commuting and taking a walk in the morning. Uh, another suggestion that uh, I'd like to share is to set smart goals for each day. So you could ask yourself, what are you going to achieve during the day? Make the goal attainable and hold yourself accountable for achieving it. This is actually your work for
1: me. Yeah, I do the same thing, Sophie. Every day I start uh, by making a list of, of smart goals. Uh, and I'm glad to hear that works for you as well. Uh, another thing that I do is I try to uh, change into clothes that I would normally wear to work. I think that's been helpful to, again, signal to me that this is the beginning of a work day and, and so on. Uh, One other thing that I've found is that I now seem to have too many online meetings and and emails. I guess with everybody now spending all of their time online and at home, there is a risk of overcommunication. In this way, we suggest that you think about how to prioritize your work and interaction. I always ask myself if the meeting will be valuable to me or if it's important for my colleagues for me to be present. And honestly, I have to say that part of this is based on how capable I feel the host is at using technology or facilitating an online meeting. Just like working in an office, it is okay to say no to meetings and replace meetings with email.
2: And one thing I want to pick up on from our discussions with Peter and Lotta is how technology can be leveraged to bring us closer together socially too. So... In both instances, when an email does not suffice, you should remember that maybe it's not only about teleworking, but it can also be about tele leisure, as Peter called it. Even if we are working remotely, we still need some social interaction.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, and it's something that we've done here at our
2: institute. Yes, yeah, with PhD and postdoc groups, we actually had a, a, an offer work last Wednesday, which was really nice. So at five o'clock, we all met on our uh, in a virtual meeting room and uh, some were sitting outside and some inside and you know we had a conversation and had a laugh like we would on a normal artwork
1: yeah and another thing that we're doing as well is we have our our weekly fika that we've moved from a, a physical space here at the institute to a virtual space And I think that that's been really helpful as well. You know, check in with everybody, see how everybody's doing, and and like we said, leverage these breakout rooms um, to be able to have conversations in smaller groups and then return to the larger group to kind of share some of the things that were discussed. And along those lines, I think that we must exercise self-care and give ourselves and each other the necessary space to deal with and to cope with these times. Now, you may have a boss that is demanding even more from you now that you have time at home dedicated to work. Or maybe you see others who are being super productive. Of course, we have to deal with this, but my suggestion would be to take a breath and take care of yourself. Of course, working from home presents opportunities to be productive in different ways from working in an office. And I'd say take advantage of these. But that isn't to say that you have to produce or you have to be more productive than normal. I've had to remind myself that there is a global pandemic literally taking place and to give myself a little love and acceptance in the process.
2: And if you want to learn more about our work on virtual meetings, check us out on social media. We're posting resources to explore best practices. You can find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at the triple And if you want to stay informed about the podcast, make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter each month. We send out a reminder email announcing new episodes, which include show notes, access to research outputs, and additional information about our monthly sustainability scoop. You can sign up on our website. You'll find us at backslash podcast
1: Yeah, so Sophie, why don't we say, shall we wrap up the episode? I want to ask you, what do, we, what will you take away from our discussions today on teleworking in the time of coronavirus?
2: What I take away is the need to stay positive and to rise to the challenge and just try to adapt to the situation and just be open to adopting the technology if that can help us to stay in touch, stay connected. And for us, again, who can work from home, it can also help us do so. I think those are my key takeaways. What were your takeaways, Stephen?
1: Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I think there's a lot to say, obviously. Uh, I think first, I would say that uh, both the organization as well as the individual have the responsibility then to leverage technology to work from home. And this hasn't been easy for me. Like I said, you know, I've, I've certainly struggled with creating the routines to be able to do so effectively. Uh, So this means that I need to have the responsibility for myself to learn new tools and establish new routines and, of course, ask for help when needed from my my workplace, from my colleagues, uh, and my friends. I think another thing that's important is to reflect on how the coronavirus will fundamentally change our work into the future. I've asked myself this. Is our research as relevant now? Uh, How might we as individuals, as academics, as employees adapt our work to meet the challenges of today and, and of tomorrow. And it's also a time for us to reassess our priorities. I know that I'm feeling fortunate to have work, to have a job, at least for the time being. But many have lost their jobs or, or will lose their jobs because of the global pandemic. And while we produce an episode to support those needing to work or study from home, I acknowledge my privilege, and I recognize that I'm so fortunate and so grateful to have the work that I do, and uh, I think that's important as well to, to recognize. Yeah, that was
2: very well put, Stephen. Thank you for that. It's a great
1: summary. One of the things, Sophie, that I've been wondering about, we're a podcast uh, about sustainability solutions, and yeah. we work at an institute in which we're studying sustainability. Um, and one of the things that I've struggled with, right, is reading online how people want to leverage the crisis for sustainability transitions. And personally, I'm not sure that I find now to be that, the appropriate time to be talking about that. I'm curious, what are, what are your thoughts? How do you think we can be communicating or should be communicating about sustainability in the face of coronavirus?
2: I think it's important to first address the situation we're in and make sure that we are sensible about the people that are affected by this and the people that are working to address the situation. And then after that, again, we should always remember that we have sustainability challenges, but perhaps they are not at the focal point right now. What are your thoughts, Stephen?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I Like I said, I think that I'm interested in thinking about how to adapt The work that we're doing now to serve uh, or to better support uh, rebuilding in the future. You know, it's difficult for me to think about continuing as a business as usual without then also thinking about how we need to adapt to the times. And I guess that would just be maybe a reflection that I would want to take away as well, Uh, especially as sustainability professionals or those working in sustainability is, of course, thinking about how we have a responsibility to continue the work that we're doing but to do so in a way that acknowledges the hardships of many in in this time
2: i think that's a, a good last takeaway Stephen. so with that let's close today's episode we hope that you found it helpful to reflect more in teleworking maybe you are inspired to try a new tool or establish a new routine
1: or maybe you're even inspired to start a new discussion about how we work, or our work itself. If you want to get in touch with us to share your thoughts, please do so. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at s e or get in touch with us on social media.
2: And before we leave you, we just also want to say that we do not know what the future has in store. So it is our intention to bring you an episode of the podcast next month, finishing season two. But we don't know if it will be possible. So, Susan and I want to thank you who listened so much for your support of the podcast. We're thinking of you and sending support and solidarity to all of our listeners around the world. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.